You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. And if you want to get your money's worth, stay right here because you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. And remember, everybody's got a price the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> This is Don West here, and I'm telling you, knockouts and three counts is the podcast, baby. Make sure that's the one you check out, because buddy, like me, they're the real deal, baby. This is Jake the Snake Roberts. Just let me know. You need to listen to knockouts and three counts, or you'll see that damn snake again. This is the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, a.k.a. Shane T, boy. The baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. And you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. What up, though, everybody? This is Kyle, and you are watching Knockouts and Three Counts. And uh, we didn't give him any lead-up coming into it, but we've got the return of a multiple-time past guest of the show and the host of, if I've got this correct, Ramblings of a Grappleman, the new podcast you got. Mr. The Legacy, Matthew Priest. How you doing, brother, man? Excellent. Thank you. Long time uh, no talk there, Kyle. Uh, happy to have me, have me back on here. And uh, this video thing has me all screwed up. I, I'm not <laughs> very tech savvy. So the video conference thing, it's, it's weird not being in the studio. Yeah, dude. I would love to go back to the studio, too. As you can see behind me, I've had to kind of create my own my own little podcast deal so i've got all kinds of different pictures from interviews and all that myself been having to try to that was like my quarantine project that still hasn't (laughs) managed to get finished and as always since the beginning of our quarantine whatever but now a regular host on the show Corey, how the fuck you doing you know back at it again man another tuesday glad to glad to cap off another quality tuesday with this uh with this show so let's get to it all right. So as I mentioned, Mr. Priest, you've been pretty busy since the last time I talked to you. Uh, before we get into what's going on in the world of pro wrestling and MMA, tell me a little bit about Ramblings of a Grapple. I've gotten to check out a few of the episodes. I I listened to the one with past guests of the show, the Dread King Logan. What up, though, Jesse? I see you watching in here, motherfucker. Um, yeah, Jesse, your next door neighbor's watching, Corey. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But like I say, um, tell me a little bit about the podcast. It's a rambling, it's a grappleman, something I've uh, had in mind for a few years um, to do, and I just never knew how to get it out there. And um, I had bought a recorder a few years ago. I was ready to ready to do this whole thing and just never knew what the hell to do. And it's just more or less thoughts. It, quarantine's been perfect for that, right, because there's been no shows um, that I'm t- partaking in um, with the virus. But, uh, you know, and you just need that creative outlet. So knowing that people interview folks, they get the backstory. You guys have, you know, your show, show breakdowns and you get into the depth of shows. And there's other podcasts out there where they're more doing a classic interview style. Um, but something I, I loved when I was training people in wrestling was really diving down deep on, on a hold or we would get into a day and I would I'd break down a kick out for 45 minutes to explain kick out when I was training wrestlers. So 
when I do this podcast, uh, it, it's just something will trigger and I'll be like, all right. So I think I did sleeper hold and, and other, and, um, you know, belly belly suplex with Dread King Logan. We broke down and talked about a belly belly suplex for 35 minutes and nothing else just focused in on one topic and we, and we stay there. So it's more of a deep dive on that into the psychology, the reasoning behind the hold. Uh, my, my newest one will be coming out is about weight classes in pro wrestling, which, which is perfect with your guys' show. Cause it has a lot of MMA influenced with the pro wrestling crossover and how I think that could work in a modern day wrestling promotion involving weight classes and how it's not working right now, especially in NXT. Um, so I have that as a, as a breakdown as my new one, my, my list, one of my latest ones on vulnerability. Um, I'm, I'm really, was really passionate about it. I, I feel like, feel like everyone I'm getting better with. So I'm finding my groove, but yeah, it's just a quarantine project and you got all this wrestling stuff in your brain and you need a place to get it out. So ramblings of a grappleman was born. All right. Well, all right. Everybody know where they can find the podcast. And Pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, except YouTube, but, uh, you know, Stitcher, <laughs> Breaker, YouTube, come on, you're, man. You're, uh, I'm not that, that tech savvy. As I mentioned, this, <laughs> this video stuff, I, I'm not, I'm not quite, uh, up to snuff with. But uh, yeah, well, we're going to have to talk when we get off the air. I'll help you out <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, if you got an Apple phone, you, the podcast app has a Google phone podcast app. It's in there. Uh, Spotify is by where I get the most listens at. Um, and then, you know, Stitcher, Breaker, it's in everywhere. You can listen to podcasts except YouTube. Yeah, man. Like I said, it's, it's cool to hear that you've delved into that. Corey, a little bit of backstory for you since you don't, this is your first time uh, kicking it with Mr. Priest. You were watching Full Gear with me. You saw Allison K from Detroit, who I told you about. So um, he is one of the guys behind training Allison K. Okay. Okay. So I, well, I, I kind of alluded or, you know, presumed that from the what you were saying when you were getting to training people. I didn't quite know exact names of who you were talking about. But I could tell just – and one thing I can speak on – in starting to jump on podcasts now that you know the quarantine is hitting such like that is uh it's real easy to talk about something you have interest in um and especially if you have a real passion in it it's 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 generally not hard to show the interest and have it actually present itself if you're fairly decent at you know talking so what a better time than now like you said then during the quarantine to try to get something that you haven't planned for a couple of years to actually get the ball rolling, you know? Absolutely. I appreciate that. All right. So as we mentioned, we got a lot to unpack in what happened this last weekend in the world of pro wrestling and MMA. Obviously, since we just mentioned Mr. Priest's background in wrestling, I figured we might as well start with the wrestling part. And what better way to start than something that I know, even though you're not the biggest wrestling guy, Corey, you know plenty about as well too, because I feel like everybody has an Undertaker memory. Everybody has. I mean, I feel like you have to. All right. Uh, We had the Undertaker's big farewell. I'd like to get both of your, you know, like both of your thoughts on what you've seen so far and, you know, what's your favorite memories on it. But since I'm flapping my gums, I just have to say, man, it was a little bittersweet for me. And a part of my childhood died on Sunday. All right. (laughs) Full disclosure, the first time I ever watched wrestling, I was, you know, you had, uh, I was at the babysitter. Her kids were a little bit older than me. Undertaker was the first wrestler I ever saw. Never watched nothing else. I didn't know who the hell this guy was. Big some bitch that scared the hell out of me. 30 years later, we're still watching the guy. And I thought <laughs> I was there 
there's no bell for me to ring, unfortunately, because we're not in the studio. But I thought I was there for his original retirement at WrestleMania 33. So, like I said, I posed the question to both of you guys. Um, Priest, we'll go with you first. What were what was your thoughts on the farewell for the Undertaker? And you know, what do you think his legacy is going to be? And you know, what do you just your overall thoughts on Taker? Uh, funny thing with Undertaker is, I thought the farewell. I thought it was, it, it was good how they did it. I, I liked the little hologram Paul Bear they uh, they popped in there. That was that my was, favorite part. That was that was cool. But um, just overall, you know, he's a lot of people talk about their Mount Rushmore, and he you don't really hear his name on a lot of people's, which surprises me because he has that longevity. And I think he will now. Now that he's done. And, and really, 2020 has kind of been the for WWE. It's been the year of the Undertaker. They've, there's so much content they've been popping out like crazy about the Undertaker. Um, but I guess for my memories of them, so I I'm probably a little older than both of you guys here, but I remember watching Survivor Series '90 and seeing him debut. And me and my older brother were big wrestling fans. We were like, this dude was just on WCW Primetime uh, or not Primetime Power Hour with this with the skyscrapers and Twin Towers. We're like, that's me, Mark. And Suburban Commando had just come right, out. With right. So it's like Undertaker was weird for me as a kid because I'm like, I knew who he was before he was The Undertaker. And um, when he was The Undertaker and he came out with Brother Love, it's funny because that, that Survivor Series, that following weekend was my very first ever WWF show I went to as a fan. I was like seven, eight years old. My uncle took me, my brother, and my cousin. And Undertaker came out with Brother Love and wrestled Tugboat. And that's the first time I had to see Undertaker live. And most of my good Undertaker memories are all in a live setting. Um, and that's something I'll always remember is Undertaker in, in that match against Tugboat. I don't remember a whole lot about that show, but I remember Undertaker and Tugboat. Um, and then fast forward six, seven years to a Raw at Kobo. My younger brother cried when the Undertaker brought the lights up and there was the big, big boom of his uh, firework. He was the heavyweight champion. He had the, the teardrop tattoo, that era Undertaker. And it scared the shit on my younger brother when the, the, the pyro went off and he was the only guy who had it back then. And, you know, <laughs> the entrance meant that. That's when I'm looking at my younger brother I and mean, he's crying because he's scared, but it meant something. That, that entrance was something. And then a couple of years later, Ministry of Darkness, and uh, it actually gets edited out on the WWE Network but it's the Raw where, where Shane slaps Vince. It was a Joe Lewis. And Undertaker's hanging somebody up on a he's He turns on the brood. The ministry's kicking the brood out. And my friend was a huge brood mark. And he's going nuts about the brood. And you hear on the live television we recorded, you heard him yelling, fuck you, Undertaker. Because we were right next to the uh, – uh, <laughs> where our, we were like right next to the stage where all the boom mics and stuff were. So I was picking right. up this, my, my friend super loud. Yeah. So if you if you see the clip back probably on YouTube and you're watching when Undertaker is kicking the brood out of the ministry, you'll hear an insane person yelling, fuck you, Undertaker, clear as day as a fan. And that's my friend who was next to me. And on the WWE Network, I tried to watch it, and it's it's, it's edited out. And uh, also when Shane slapped Vince on that same episode, you hear my older brother losing his mind and being like, fuck you, Vince. And they had to edit that out of the, the network as well. So. Those are my three big Undertaker memories as a fan, um, being there live. And, and I think the greatest the greatest match WWE ever put on is him and Sean at 25. So, I mean, I mean that's, that's hard to argue. Hard to argue. So, Corey, before I get to yours real quick, Mr. Priest, you're being accused of gimmick infringement here. Uh, oh. Past guest of the show, Chase Burnett, goes, who's, <laughs> who's the old guy stealing my gimmick? So, Shit. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I've been been doing this a lot, hell of a lot longer than he has. So, uh, you know, I lost my hair before he did, and um, you know, I, I've been I've been the old man uh, long before Chase Burnett did. But but kudos to that kid. He, you know, he well, he's a, he's a man now. He's he's old timer. Shit, Uncle Chase is uh, he's he's uh, you know, yeah. He, we had to remind him to take his pills here first. We had to remind him to take his pills. Well, now that we've gotten out, gotten Uncle Chase's pills out of the way, Corey, what were your thoughts on what you saw of the farewell for the Undertaker, and what you know, what things with Undertaker sticks out to you? Well, all right, you you point out memories of back in the day. What really stands out to me is the old days of him coming out on the motorcycle. Man, that motorcycle really stood out to me when so I was the American a kid. Badass. Yeah, that when I was a kid, that really there there wasn't much that you know it it you could hear the pop of the engine it, as soon as it would come roaring down the ramp. It was just there was a feeling to it, you know. I wasn't as lucky as you were. I wasn't quite as uh, even though I had uh, grown a little past wrestling as I've gotten older. When I was younger, I was a very big fan. I only got to go to maybe two events ever. And I don't even think any of them were televised. So, you know, I missed out on a lot of that kind of stuff, but uh, man, that's one thing that really stood out to me, you know, for back in the day was the roar of that motorcycle coming down that ramp, man. That was, that was something else. Um, As for what they did for a send off over the weekend, it, like you alluded to, it was good, but I feel like they could have done they could have done more. They could have maybe played like a, a reel of all of like the the ripping they down did. the ramps and the you know they like did. the breaking through tables and <laughs> you know there's so many matches that I can't even quite pinpoint one to necessarily point out to you that was like the one that I feel like they should have maybe alluded to more or something like that in his farewell. Um, I thought they did a good job. Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most personally was you could really see the emotion in his face when he went to go kind of do like the tilt of the hat. I guess you could say you could see that he, he, he almost hesitated a couple times. He was, he wasn't quite ready to, to give it up at that exact moment. It was like, he kind of went down and took a breath and said, not, not, not that one not this one. And then finally did it. And it, it was a good send off, but I just feel like they could have, they could have done a little more. I, I get that the times are what the, you know, times are. So you're kind of limited on production and on that end. Um, but I, I, I just wish they would have done a little more. What about you, Kyle? What, what were your thoughts on I it? love, I love the vignette with Metallica. I'm just going to throw this out here. Metallica makes any fucking promo video better. The same as like talking about the undertaker, the using limp biscuit at WrestleMania 17. All right. Sorry. Those are the kind of things that make you remember the buildups to matches as we were talking about when we watched full gear and all that kind of stuff, man, like, that's what made you want to see the world title match for full gear, right? Was the buildup with Moxley and Eddie Kingston, that stuff that they used to do back in the day with the undertaker and what they did with that video was cool. Uh, I really liked the thing that they did with the lightning to where they tried to do that, like to the beat of his music. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, as a whole though, man, I thought it was cool, but I think they were kind of limited by 
you know, like the COVID stuff. Cause like they brought everybody out in the beginning, but then they didn't never really talk to Taker, you know? So like, or not talk to Taker, but you know what I mean? Like there was like no real interaction or anything, but, but like you said, priest, my favorite thing of the whole thing was the Paul bear, uh, hologram to me that was so fucking sweet and i'm glad that they found a way to work that in um to me that was what made that whole thing um as far as my as far as my favorite undertaker moment i think my favorite undertaker moment would have to be um and these for ones that i was actually there so one would have to be survivor series 05 when he busted out of the flaming casket because i was there for that one um that was pretty cool um i thought it was pretty cool honestly if we're talking about just the moment not the match the ending of wrestlemania 33 was pretty cool to be at because i really thought that was the end of it the way they did it i was like some bitch you know that was that was kind of crazy and if i and if i gotta and the other one would be wrestlemania 23 here with him and batista because that was a damn good match it was that was the best match between that Sean and Sean and Cena, but I, I, at the end of the night, I thought Taker and Batista was the better of the two. Even Flair said it. He said it was the best match of the card, in my opinion. Even though Sean and Cena was great, but I thought Undertaker Batista was good because you had two big guys just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I want to point out real quick too before we jump off the uh, Undertaker train here is uh, those of you who are big fans of The Undertaker but may not have noticed, he's done a couple of interviews outside of the uh, wrestling realm that I would highly recommend kind of a dig, a, very, a further dig into the actual character behind The Undertaker and the actual man that made the the myth and the legend, you know. Um, I mean, Ariel Hawani has Ariel a couple. Hawani, huh? Yeah, Ariel Hawani, I was just going to say, I think he has two or three that he posted, and I believe there's like – Two or more, two or three other podcasts that he did, but I can't think of them offhand. Um, but he did, he, he did, did quite Tim a few. Roberts, I'm sure if you Jim Norton and a couple others. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. I, I'm sure if you looked it up, you could find quite a few. But it, it, it was a real good dive on kind of like I said, the the man behind the legend. Of- <laughs> so we got we talked about Taker. I know Corey, you didn't watch it, so this kind of rules you out for a minute, but. Priest, did you catch any of Survivor Series? I did, yes. Yeah. All right. So, what did you think overall? for this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we appreciate the dedication, kind <laughs> sir. So, out of that, what were your big takeaways from it? You don't got to go through the whole card with me, but what were your big takeaways from Survivor Series? Um, I thought it started good. I thought the the beginning was uh, the first three matches had me invested. I was I was digging what I was seeing. I thought the tag team match was was uh wasn't really sure where they were going to go with it because you got like two baby face teams. Uh, it's just wrestling. WWE is just so weird with the the Thunderdome. Um, it's it's I didn't know how that match was going to go, but I thought those guys had the best match of the night. I really enjoyed that tag team match. Um, I thought they brought it. They had a, a, they almost had you thinking like, who's going to win this match. But, um, you know, I, I felt like it was a time for street profits to go over. They did. So I, but I thought that was a hell of a tag team match. Those guys really brought it and it, it was serious. And the promo beforehand, the, the street profits, when they get real silly, I have a tendency to zone out, but they, they started silly, but they really brought it in and honed it in. And that was a, one of the best promos, 
um, I've seen this year uh, on WWE. So those guys really, really brought an energy and made that match more invested. And I thought that the, the, the Survivor Series match, Raw vs. SmackDown, I'm, I'm tired of seeing Raw vs. SmackDown at Survivor Series. I think it, I think it hurts both shows. Um, I would rather oh, see. A, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I would I, rather see a Raw Survivor Series match with baby faces and heels, and a SmackDown Survivor Series match with baby faces and heels. Um, but the, yeah, and then like the champions thing. Like I like Lashley and Sami Zayn, so I thought that was that was fun and fine and a, a different match. Um, but Sasha in in um, and Asuka just I, I zoned out. Both great performers. Nothing nothing with that. But after following. What, what had preceded it, um, and, and a lot of people are saying that's match of the night, and it very well could have been, but it, it just, to me, I was like, okay, you know, next. And um, and I thought Roman and McIntyre was, was good, but it, it shouldn't be. I think overall it's one of the better WWE pay-per-views I've seen this year uh, when it was all said and done, um, but that's not saying much. <laughs> I So there's something you said that I got to disagree with, so I'm glad you said it. So for me, here's the thing. Um, overall, I thought it was an okay pay-per-view, but I had a couple issues with it. I personally don't have a problem with the Raw versus SmackDown if it's done right, because I felt like that's what made Survivor Series last year was NXT's involvement. And it really kind of seemed like brand versus brand versus brand with everybody showing up and beat the shit out of each other. But obviously with COVID being what it is, you're limited a little bit to what you can do. I just thought there should have been more like, you know, they did the the contract signing for the match between Roman versus uh, Drew McIntyre. You know, you did a little bit of build up to like why this match was important or why, why, why do I give a shit that the Raw champion is facing the SmackDown champion when we know after tonight, it ain't going to mean anything. Exactly. I feel like they need to go back to doing where like, I feel like at least to give it, you know, something that makes sense, go back to doing Survivor Series matches where let there be a legitimate team captain. Let somebody get yeah. deemed the team captain. If that team wins, then the team captain gets, you know, I don't know, maybe a better spot in the Royal Rumble or something. Give me a reason to why, you know, like why these matches matter. Like why does Raw beating SmackDown mean shit? And in that was the same issue that I had in with what you said was that last year to me, NXT being involved and jumping them was what made survivor series. If they're supposed to be the legitimate third brand and not just a developmental, how the fuck are they not involved in survivor series at all? That's why I think it hurt, last year. I think it hurt survivor series because they did, they went out of their way to make NXT seem credible and the viewership isn't there. So you have people watching, most of you watching Survivor Series are, are watching because less people are watching it it live than are watching it on television. But I thought I thought they hurt a lot of people and they lost a lot of momentum going into the Royal Rumble because of NXT's involvement in Survivor Series. And that's my opinion. Yes, it made the show better when you look when you take when you take the weeks of television out and you just focus in on that one event. It was it was fun and it was exciting. But then when you look at the weeks that followed, I thought it hurt them. I thought it hurt them having NXT in and. Um, Last stars, but that goes to the point of of the Raw versus SmackDown match. If you're going to do the champions, you protect both champions by having Roman be one captain, Drew be another captain. That's your SmackDown versus Raw match. But why not throw another Raw Survivor Series match in there with 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 a captain 
with with angles mid card and then a smackdown one and now you've got three survivor series matches on the show you can still do your you can do the same thing with the women that the oscar and and uh, sasha each get a team and you have your women's survivor series match there and then you can still have a champion match here i just uh, survivor series used to be one of the show i look forward to the most now it's 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 barely watchable for me. And last year with NXT, I hated it. I actually hated. I thought it was when it was over. I was like, well, that that just buried half their main roster talent, and it was it was, it was foolish to me. See, As a booker, I hated it. <laughs> I'm with you though because see that. I can't hear you, Kyle. Can you hear him, Corey? No, no. Glad it wasn't just mean. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yep. You're back. Right back at it. I don't know what the fuck happened. Technical difficulties. Man. Anyways. Uh, Zoom be like that. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. For me, like I said, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's been hard to watch. Like, to me, SmackDown has by far been the better main roster product i don't even think that that's an arguable point raw and even if you watch the raw after survivor series right so if we're talking about survivor series as a whole so case in point the women's survivor series match so you go through the whole fucking thing lana finally gets to be the sole survivor after getting put through a table eight fucking weeks in a row she didn't do shit so what really does that do for lana and then I watch Raw. She gets a title shot against Asuka. Asuka. <laughs> Asuka. <laughs> she gets her shot against Asuka. And then it's just like a disqualification. She doesn't do anything. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't get it. Like, some of the shit they do don't make no sense. They've become and- what they've become what they hate. WWE in 2000, really the last five, six years, you can go back. Is exactly what WCW was when they went out of business. I don't know how many revisionist history WWE documentaries they've put out there where they've talked about what killed WCW. Three-hour Nitro, rebooking the show the day of the show, um, and, and then just not having uh, not having the competition uh, between Thunder and, and, and Nitro. And here they are doing exactly what that is: or rewriting scripts while the show's on the air. They have a three-hour show that has has no depth to it, and they they have twenty-five guys on Raw, and you can't even get all twenty-five talents on the show. It's just it's it's and there's no consistency because of it. There's I don't know what happened. I don't know why they became WCW, but WWE in the last five years has turned into what WCW was for its last year, in my opinion. I can't great matches, but I, it's I, just that's what it is. No substance. I can't even argue that because it's just, oh, dude, it's so frustrating because we've said this, I don't know how many times on the show when we're talking about NXT and the fact that NXT is a WWE product, SmackDown is a WWE product, but then you watch Raw, which is supposed to be their flagship show. And I just don't get it because like you said, there were a lot of high spots on Survivor Series. I think as an overall show, Survivor Series really wasn't bad. Like they had, they had some good matches. I just, again, like you said, it's the continuity of the stories and stuff. The reason that I'm hearing for why it's being given to why NXT wasn't involved this year is because 
this weekend you've got NXT War Games, which that I actually am really looking forward to because I feel like they've done a good job uh, with the War Games matches. So with that being said, what are your quick thoughts on NXT TakeOver coming up and what we saw with the new number one contender triple threat thing coming out of Survivor Series as we move forward for wrestling and WWE and all that good shit? Um, I'm a little out of the loop on what happened on Raw last night. I, I believe it was a tri- triple threat that's setting up like the yeah, Keith Lee. Yeah, it's Keith and- Lee versus Riddle versus um, versus AJ. AJ and I mean he had all the guys from the Survivor Series team match. Strowman, I'm sure will get involved there. Sheamus, I understand lost. Well, Ashley and Orton lost. It's just who you know who cares? You know Drew right. McIntyre is coming out of my, out of that show with the belt still. Um, probably until Royal Rumble and Orton gets it back um, or something along those lines. Who, who knows? Well, it looks like it's going to be Orton and The Fiend next. It could be. Who knows? I mean, it, it, you're probably right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, if the plan is still to go Orton edge at WrestleMania, they're going to they're gonna get that belt back on They're going to get that belt back on Orton soon. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be sure. I, I, in my opinion. But um, as far as NXT War Games, it usually, usually takeovers, they're – I can't think of there being a bad takeover. They always have a, have a good show. They've got they've got so much talent there. And, and while the show might not be um, front to back, just was excellent on a weekly basis. When they get their takeovers in, they 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 they're always good. There's always good matches. The stories make sense. The the talents there. Sometimes they go a little overboard and excessive. Like the last takeover, I remember there being a match that I just had to roll my eyes at. It was like a mid card. It was Kushida and Dream, where I'm like, these guys need to go home because they're doing way too much for a second match on the card, and they're, they're they just just wrap it up. You have your you had your moments, wrap it up. Um, and, and but that's that's just my personal opinion and my take. Um, but yeah, War Games is always fun. It's always exciting. I hope they keep it to just two teams, which it looks like they are. Is there a men's War Games match announced? I don't think there's a women's match. Well, the men's war games is uh, Pat McAfee. Oh yeah, that's right. Pat McAfee's Pat best thing McAfee. in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I would. Thank you. So, Corey, how much of Pat McAfee stuff in wrestling have you got to see so far? So, I just because I watch his actual uh, sports show itself once in a while, he, um, more so on the clips end than I do watch him full length shows because it's a you know radio style show that goes for four plus hours but the the clips and stuff that i have seen of it he's definitely um not the by far not the worst uh celebrity i guess um insert that i guess you know wrestler that we've ever seen he's pretty he's uh he seems like he knows at least partially what he's doing in there and um He's definitely good at riling up a crowd. That's obviously why he's good at running his own show. Um, it's pretty interesting. I give it that. From what I have seen, is pretty interesting. Why? What's What's your thoughts on it? I I've liked what I've seen because I like you just said a lot of the celebrities that come over, you can just see that they don't really give a fuck. Yeah. Like they don't give a shit. They're kind of in there to be in there. I gotta say. I mean, I know the man's an athlete. Obviously, he played pro football. But, like, some of the stuff that he did in the match with Adam Cole, that was pretty fucking cool. At least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Pat McAfee was, like, I, see, I used to listen to him when he was on Barstool before he had his uh, 
his syndicated show that he has now. Um, I'm a big football fan. That's also part of ramblings of a, a grappleman is uh, every week we do the football picks with the gambling spreads just for fun. Something I do with my buddies and my brother and cousin. We just get together and do some quick picks and have fun with it. But, but McAfee being a big football fan, I mean, I was always a fan of his because I knew he was a wrestling mark doing DX crotch chops after he pumped one inside the five. Um, so I used to listen to his podcast when he first started. And I remember him talking about buying. I remember him talking about. I remember the episode, and I remember talking to buddies about it when we went to Vegas to watch the Super Bowl. We're like, Pat McAfee's going to buy a wrestling ring. This was like three or four years ago. And he was so like, he, he was drunk, said one night, and he, he was ordering up a wrestling ring. And, and I knew then that this guy was going to get involved in wrestling based off where he's at. He's not far from OVW. And then I remember him talking about Rip Rogers. And I'm like, this guy is going to end up doing something at some point. I actually thought AEW was going to utilize McAfee because he was only doing that stuff with NXT, and then he didn't do anything with NXT as far as uh, like the pregame show, whatever the hell that's called, the kickoff. He stopped doing yeah. that for a yeah. minute, and I'm like, "Oh, McAfee must be out of not must be out of doing something with WWE." And here comes AEW; they've got the football connection. They're gonna bring him in because the guy can work, and I knew he could work. So I, he did impress me. He did better than I thought he would. Mainly, he did a lot of little things like his his punches. His timing and his selling were, were really what stood out to me. And again, that goes back to him being a lifelong fan and him learning under a guy like Rip Rogers, who arguably is the best trainer um, of, of all time. I mean, you got to put him up there. And um, I mean, he's had his hands on so many different guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and McAfee just, he's got that personality on the show that you're talking about, Corey, that it, he, it's a phenomenal watch. Even if you're not a sports fan, you can watch a one minute clip of Pat McAfee and be entertained. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, he covers a broad span of topics too on the show. And, you know, like you said, even if you're not a sports fan, there's something in there that will definitely at least have you laughing for a couple minutes. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Corey. Well, let's talk about something that we do know that you know about, and that's MMA. So let's talk yes, about, sir. UFC 255, first of all. Mr. Priest, did you get to watch the fights this weekend? I did. I, you know, it's funny. is uh, I used to watch every UFC pay-per-view up in the last two years. Ever since I moved to ESPN, it's been harder for me to, to stay with it. I hate ESPN. But I, I, I know what's going on. I did watch uh, I did watch the Shogun fight, and I watched uh, uh, Tim Means and Mike Perry's fight. Watched, watched them online. Um, and I watched the highlights of the other one. So I, I'm, I know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the, the title fights, I mean, they're kind of self-explanatory how those ones went for the most part. Um, one thing while we're jumping into it, I, one of my, um, understated winners of the week, uh, somebody that I feel like really needs to be brought up at the forefront of our, uh, MMA uh, event of the show is, uh, AJ McKee for Bellator, man. He went in there. Dude, that was dominated. nasty. Dude, that that was supposed to be his big test. He was supposed to possibly lose that that uh, that zero on his record, man. That was supposed to be a real fight against Darian Caldwell. And McKee didn't even – I mean, what was it, a two-minute fight, if I'm not mistaken? He took yeah, him as soon as, as soon as he went to go take him. The second he went to go shoot for a takedown, he immediately just – was working from position to position and that shoulder lock neck press neck crank 
submission that he got him out with that was well, he, i think he took his shoulder out of socket because if you look was... at the end of the fight he's in a fucking sling speaking yeah. of fight shout out to the homie kenny the boss cross check out the shirt get you a motherfucking shirt yeah i got mine sitting sitting right by on the sidelines i'm waiting to wash it before i i throw it on but get you one. thank you but <laughs> mr kenneth the boss cross good luck in that next uh xfc fight coming in february right yes sir february he'll be in round two against uh what's the guy's name he got the little short guy um um damn. the canadian uh o'connor canadian, the fucking what, canuck was it o- o'connor or can oh something it was oh yes uh, o'connor yes it was Tom O'Connor or Tim O'Connor or something like that. He's fighting Tim O'Connor. Tim O'Connor, you're in trouble. But since we're talking <laughs> about that nasty shoulder lock from McKee, did you see the prelims at least, Priest? Um, no, I didn't actually. But Holy I do. Shit. I do. I've I do want to ask a quick question. I do want to ask Go a ahead. quick question. As you're talking about uh, uh, McKee. I do watch. Mm-hmm. I do watch a lot of Bellator. Or I, I try to keep up with it. I've missed a few, but um, so they're not on CBS Sports Network now. They move. All these things move yeah. too much. Um, and they don't really do a good job of telling you where things are going to no. be. So it's like, yeah, you got to go so- on like a hunt and you're like, Oh, I think there's a card on Thursday. Let me look what time it starts. Oh, wait, it started two it's, hours uh, ago. Awesome. <laughs> is uh Ven- is Venom pay MVP, Michael Venom page. Is he in the same weight class as McKee? Or are they, are they lightweight and welterweight? Or are they both welterweights? No. So, uh, he's McKee's 45. McKee's um, featherweight then. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, yeah. They're in the featherweight tournament right now. His next, his next fight's actually already determined because of you know the, the way the tournament's laid out. Okay. He's fight. He's fighting uh, Pitbull, the champ, next. Right. So yeah, it's, okay. it's already yeah. Which that is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. Pitbull's got to fight through this whole tournament. If Pitbull loses before he gets to the final, he loses the belt. So yeah. like it. Well, this it, this is the finals. This is the finals that we're coming into. No, Pitbull's got one more fight before he gets to McKee. Pitbull's Does, only. Oh yeah, time. yeah. Who who's he fight? Um, I forgot. He it was on the last Bellator card right before that. Rodriguez, Sanchez, I or no, Sanchez. It was I one believe. of. Excuse yes, my it, language, Sanchez. but it was one he of those Mexican Gutierrez. Yes, he fights Emmanuel Sanchez. Sanchez. I knew it was one of he those Mexican Sanchez. last names. It's <laughs> that's going to be a tough ass fight. You got another guy coming out of Rufus Sport. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he's got to make it to the final to even fight McKee. But since we're talking about nasty shoulder locks, Priest, what I was talking about is you had Roy Val versus what was homie's name? The other guy? You had Brandon you, you Roy better, Val. You better get to know him because he's headlining the pay-per-view right. coming in December. But Brandon uh, Moreno. 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 Oh, my God, dude. He got him and dude like separated his shoulders so his arm is just laying there limp. While dude is just whopping the shit out of this dude. And the poor guy, I thought he was that knocked out that he was grabbing for the ref, you know? I know. Until I realized, oh, shit, his arm's out of socket and he's just getting wailed on and can't even put his arm up to defend himself. So he's just getting fucking whopped. It's It's crazy if you go back and watch the uh, replay on the ending there, the, you know, finishing sequence. You can see him. He's actually got one arm kind of pinned here. And he's trying to push his arm back in socket while just getting punched. It's yeah, he's got his arms like this, priest trying to like crack his shit back I in. I think I, I think I saw the clip of that uh, when you were talking about it, and um, 
yeah, Moreno, he that's like that was that it was a fourth or fifth fight. Fourth, 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 fourth. Oh my god, I can't talk. I've, I've seen Moreno fight before, so when you first brought him up, I was like, I don't recall seeing him fight, but I saw a clip of that. But yeah, that, that was nasty. it. Looked nasty. I've never. Well, he's seen got. A, he's got a very uh, impressive story too, and I think feel like this is something that needs to be brought up in the light of him soon to be headlining his first head um, pay per view card for the UFC. It's crazy that they're um, they're turning uh, Figueredo around so quick. But Brandon Moreno was actually let go from the UFC. If I'm not mistaken, it was only three fights ago, four fights ago. Um, he had to fight his way back in, um, went out and back on the regional scene, won a championship in was it LFA, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, got back into the scene. And here we are. He I, um, He's won every fight except for one, which was a draw, if I'm not mistaken, since he's been back. So he it's going to be a hell of a fight, but I'm very curious to see uh, – both of them, man, they're both big 125ers, man. And for them to hold hold the weight down and turn around that weight cut so quick, I, I couldn't imagine that being easy, trying to stay on weight for a whole month. Figueiredo can barely make the weight half the time. That's why Dana said that he was a little worried about Figueiredo making weight with this quick turnaround. Well, mm-hmm. what a better segue than to talk about Figueroa's fight next since it's now been revealed he's gonna fight he's gonna fight Moreno next Mm -hmm. so I have to say first of all I'm a little bit biased because guillotine chokes are my favorite but hot damn shout out to Figueroa because dude that was that was dirty my man got choked out quick like there wasn't once he and for those of you who, who those of you who don't realize, like an arm in guillotine is a lot harder to finish than your standard guillotine because now you're not only going for the choke, you have to go around his arm. And then when you add, I mean, a lot of guys like that better in MMA because of the gloves and shit because it gives you something more to grab onto. But me personally, I hate arm in guillotines. I could choke <laughs> somebody with them, but I don't like them. And uh, for him to choke him and choke him that quick with an arm in guillotine, yeah. dude was pretty fucking nasty. And you can tell it must have been extremely tight because his head was so close to getting out. Like, his forearm was basically sitting there. Well, it was the adjustment. It was the adjustment when he sat up into him. Well, what I'm saying, though, is Perez, his head was so close to slipping. His It was right at that final, like, if he could have just slipped it, just the last peak. But to do that, he was essentially choking himself worse, so the he was forced to you know ch- go to sleep or tap and he chose to tap um but it was an incredible fight by Figueredo that's absolutely um Perez did hit him with some decent shots even though the fight did not last long though he did piece him up a little bit on the feet which I was surprised about um he hit him with some solid leg kicks and transition those into head kicks and I feel like that's why Figueredo tried to kind of turn that scramble on the uh, cage into a turn it into a ground fight. Um, and either way, though, incredible, incredible uh, first title defense for uh, Figgy. That's for sure. Well, Reese, what were your thoughts on that fight? And what are your thoughts on him calling out Moreno next? 
Um, yeah, like that again. That was a clip fight I saw. So I saw the submission. It was it was it was gnarly. And to your guys' points with the arm and guillotine, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised it was as fast as it was once he hooked it, locked it in. Because usually those take a minute to really work yeah. in there. Um, and call it Moreno. I mean. Like Corey's point, it's a good story with Moreno. I remember him fighting Sergio Pettis. That might have been his last loss before he left the UFC. Uh, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know he's come back and he's been on a winning streak. Um, so it, it makes sense. Um, you know, that 125 division needs something. So a quick turnaround is good for that division because it's easy to for those guys to get lost in the shuffle because um, they don't have that that big star power um, yet. I mean, figure it out. This kid's kind of most likely you know he he has the potential i think if he beats moreno convincingly also he, he could be a, a a nice boost for them um the fact they gave him the main event over shevchenko i was a little surprised by but they're gonna ride this agree, game and he, he, he needs to he needs to d- dominate moreno and then the best thing for figueredo is that quick turnaround because that's what happened with you know, dating myself here with Anderson Silva before people really knew who Anderson Silva was, they were pumping him out as much as quickly as they could. Yeah. And he was steamrolling guys. And then all of a sudden you went four or five in a row and people know who Anderson Silva was. And he was a star. And that's the same thing. I think they're going to try to do with, with Figueredo because the 125 division needs a, needs a star. They need someone that can, that can hold that. So the quicker, the better in the UFC's eyes from a marketing standpoint, um, and, and he could be the guy to do it. I, I hope he is. Um, they need somebody there, and yeah, makes sense. I, I'll be I'll be surprised if the fight happens in December, though. I know they're they're planning it, but that is awfully quick. That's what a yeah. six week turnaround or five week turnaround. It, it twenty three days is what, what they oh, said. Shit, so three week turnaround. Well, we'll yeah. see if it even happens. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that getting bumped to. Uh, well, well, one the thing medicals we come back. Yeah, one thing we can definitely say with fights getting bumped is unfortunate news on that front is the reason why they were even slated to possibly uh, headline this fight is because my boy uh, Aljamain Sterling's not getting his title shot on that uh, December card, man. Petre Jan had to pull out undisclosed reasons. They're speculating that it's possible visa issues, but nothing's necessarily confirmed. Um, Sucks. Well, like huh? Yeah, that fight's off. It, well, it's at least being rescheduled. It's being rebooked. Okay. Um, well, but it but it's off the December card for sure, um, which is very unfortunate, man. That was a fight that I've been looking forward to all year ever since uh, ever since Aljamain was able to get over on another Corey um, and Corey Sanhagen. Man, that was uh, it, yeah, it, it was, Corey envy over here. Yeah, yeah, my boy, uh, <laughs> Mister Sandman Sanhagen, man, but. Uh, Watching uh, what Aljo did in that fight, he was the rightful um, the con- rightful contender the whole time. Honestly, I thought that should have been the fight for the belt over the uh, Jan and um, Aldo fight. Um, but that being said, um, it sucks that it's not happening, at least in December. I'm hoping this, we'll see it maybe February or March or something, not too far of a turnaround. But either way, saddens me to say. Well, Blackwell brought up a great point in the comments. Since we're talking about fights that got rescheduled, how the fuck can we not talk about the fight that's going on this weekend with Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones? <laughs> All right. We're definitely going to get more into this with our buddy AB later this week. Make sure you're tuned in on the YouTube channel. That'll be dropping real soon. But, Priest, what 
are your thoughts on Mike Tyson coming back to boxing? And what are your thoughts on these punk ass rules that they're trying to put together? Man. Like, this is a Mike Tyson fight we're talking about, and you're telling they're me they're ruining no it. No knockouts. No, if there's a cut that the fight gets stopped, like when it was first supposed to happen in September, it was just supposed to be like a three round exhibition or a six round exhibition. So it was add some bullshit to it. Then you got two, yeah, two old timers on there. I mean, it's for show. It's for entertainment. Tyson and and, and Jones, you know, that, that, it's a, it's a dream match. It's it's the Rocky Balboa movie in real life. It's really what it is, and that's what we're going to see here. Unfortunately, they are putting a lot of restrictions to it, and you're not going to get to see these guys go out there and punch drunk each other. I mean, but it's fun. You almost got to watch it. You have to watch it. I, I'm going to be watching it for sure. We're going to be watching it and definitely giving you our preview yep. and review. Corey, what do you think about this fight, bro? Man, they like they're. Man, these commissions are ruining it with this uh, whole exhibition rules. I don't know if this is something that they, you know, Tyson wanted or if it was something Jones wanted or if it was just a commission rule to get these uh, two old men back into the uh, ring. But either way, man, that it's ruining it in my eyes. Honestly, the uh, the fact that, I mean, not necessarily that cuts are super common in boxing, but the fact that even if one does come up, they're just immediately going to end the fight. Um, the fact that there's supposed to be no knockdowns and stuff like that on the books, like this is a written rule. The fact that there's going to be no judges calculating a score or anything like that on the, at the end, there's not even, they're not even allowing them to do betting on the fight, which I don't, which I even find crazy, but you think there's not going to be betting on a Mike Tyson fight. I was going to say, I'm sure there is, but they're <laughs> just like Mike, by, Mike Blackwell is in the yeah. comments. He said, there's no way that Tyson's not going to try to rip somebody's head off. Yeah. I mean, the man's got well, a damn good point, but by the books, it, there's a reason why the commission is putting this all on paper yeah. and it sucks to see. It really does. Um, the undercard. Well, what on are you going to do if he just walks in there and throws one of them Tyson left hooks and knocks him the fuck out? What are you going to do? The fight's over at that point. Uh, good yeah. point. Do, and, what, yeah. do they, I mean, honestly, what are you going to do? Honestly, hey, don't do pay. that. Well, the fight's over anyway. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> that's if you put the fix in, it's boxing. So if you put the fix in, that's what, that's what should happen and get people talking about your sport. Fucking Tyson KOs them in an exhibition, and it doesn't count for anything. But I'll tell you what, it's going to put a lot of eyes on boxing. One thing for sure is Tyson's definitely at least somewhat taking the fight serious. He definitely at least wants to go put a show on for people. You can see that in just the preparation and stuff that he's put back into his body, getting ready for this fight. Um, Watching uh, Roy Jones Jr. do the uh, Joe Rogan experience, he seems pretty fired up for it as well. Um, in that regard, I'm excited. It's just these rules, man. These damn rules. Can't we just get them on an Indian reservation and just, hey, you know, here, like have fun, boys? Have you great. ever watched? Have you ever watched the movie Undisputed? I feel like we need to get it like Undisputed, where they, <laughs> where you put them in a cell, both y'all motherfuckers fight. We got the ten count, but there's no way to lose until somebody gets knocked the fuck out. That's how we end this fight. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing with uh, with with both these guys too is, I mean, they're both accomplished. Like, yeah, Tyson's known for just ripping people's heads off, but he's a technically he, he's a hell of a boxer. And so as Roy much. Jones Jr., but you know, these two guys that high caliber of athlete with that type of comp- competitive drive, 
once they get tagged a few times, I think you're going to see some leather fly and um, that the competitor in both of them will come out. It, it should make for, it should make for a fun fight, fun, short fight. Plus, I mean, not to mention, I mean, the thing that people are failing to talk about here, you know, you hear about it a lot as a wrestling fan, right? Priest, you can relate to this plenty. So when Tyson came in in 98 for WrestleMania 14 with Austin, you know, you talk, there was so much talk about the amount of pay-per-views that Mike Tyson would draw and things like that. And how when Mike Tyson would fight, it was must-see TV and all that stuff. If anything, say what you want, say what you will. This fight's going to be... Probably not the fight that all of us wanted to see, but at the very least, the very fact that you're getting Mike Tyson in the ring again, number one. And of all people for him to face it being Roy Jones Jr., I mean, dude, people are going to buy the shit out of this. And it's going to be <laughs> all over Sports Center, and hopefully can do something to help resurrect boxing as well. Because, I mean, there's been plenty of, plenty of talk about what's going on there with Canelo leaving Golden Boy and uh you know all that kind of stuff man well boxing needs that shot in the arm yeah well look at the look and at the not to interrupt you kyle but look at to, to point to the state of boxing uh look at who they got coming you know they got a paul brother against a former nba star so i mean they're, they're what you want people will watch them paul brothers fight i mean dude. i'm excited to see who wins uh, that one i feel like will be less of a shit show with the actual rule set. That's what I'm worried about, man, is these rule sets just are killing my, my whole excitement for the damn fight. See to a diehard fan though, that you are going to care about that, but they're not appealing to you. They know they've got you watching it. This is for the guy like Mike Blackwell, like myself that doesn't follow boxing that much. I mean, I I follow boxing probably more than Mike does in 2020, but um, Mm -hmm. these these are guys are, you know, you're out there to to get sucked in and you just want to see Tyson fight. And they don't care about the rules. And then when they get, once they buy the pay per view and they hear the rules broken down, they're like, "What the hell? I spent my money on this." Um, because the people aren't—they're not in uh, watching ESPN every day. They're not in. They'll just see Mike Tyson fight, and they're going to buy it. And what perfect yep. weekend to do it? It was supposed to be what Labor Day weekend, and it got bumped to the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, everybody's going to be fat as fuck and need something to watch since we can't go to the bar or none of that kind of good stuff. It's just just perfect weekend to do it, and like people are home, and 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 Labor Day weekend people are still traveling, so no one's traveling, you know, this year especially. It, it's 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 a good weekend for it. I think it's going to do good numbers, and and I it's good for boxing. And, um, and there's a, there's actually a, a real good fight on the card, isn't there? I can't remember who was fighting. I remember looking at it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, like, oh, I, I gotta look. I gotta look through the card deeper. But they did put a very marquee fight on this one. Well, we're getting close to the end of end of time here. So real quick and in a hurry, I want to hear who, how you guys think this fight ends. Does it go the full rounds, or do you think somebody knocks the other one out in the middle of the fight? Corey, you can I go think, first. I think the rule set will play into it very heavy, and I think even though we'll get a – a show out there i don't think we'll get the full version of either of the guys i think like you said it'll end up being more of a technical show maybe we'll see a couple uh couple of uh heavy former heavy hitters uh going in their point fighting and that's kind of what i'm worried about 
Yeah. All right, Priest. How do you see this? I, I, I kind of, I kind of agree. I, the the guy I was thinking of was Badu Jack. Uh, is fighting on the card. He's been on. He has. He's been on a losing streak, but he's. He, you know, he's a, a legit. He's a badass. Yeah, mm-hmm. Badu Jack is fun to watch. I think that's smart for them to put them on here. But I, I, I actually, I could see someone not getting off of a stool. Um, in a middle round there, say five, fifth, yeah. sixth round, and just calling it a fight, fight that way. Um, gas tank, you know, you know, it's it's different being in a training in a gym versus actually being in a ring and going. And these guys are in their fifties, <laughs> so you just don't know how it's going to be. But I can see someone not getting off a stool. Um, I don't, I don't know who it would be, but I, I can see that kind of weird, sad, disappointing ending being out there. That's what I'll, that's what I'll throw my name at. So. I'm just going to say it really hurts me to say this because I'm a very big fan of the guy, but maybe I forgot, you know, he's always telling people y'all must've forgot, but (laughs) I think Roy Jones forgot just who the fuck he's getting in the ring with. And I feel like what most people are forgetting is yeah. Roy Jones is not that far off in age from Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson's had 15 years for his chin to heal. Yep. So I feel like he'll be able to take a little bit better shot. And I feel like with Mike having such a long way off where Roy has, it's only been two years since he's fought. I think Mike Tyson is going to come in there to show people and make sure that they don't forget just what the fuck Mike Tyson was. You can put all the rules on it. You can put all of what it is. The one thing that stuck true to me in this interview, I don't think by, or in the interviews I've seen leading up to this, I don't think Roy Jones is scared of him, but Mike Tyson's training videos have gotten in Roy Jones' head because you've heard him mention it in multiple video in multiple interviews now that he realizes the risk of what he's gotten himself into. For that and that alone, and just the mental war game that's going to come with that, Roy Jones always was the master of winning those. I feel like that's going to be the difference in the fact that Mike Tyson wants to make sure that motherfuckers don't forget and make sure that you don't forget. You can check us out every Tuesday live here, 9 p.m. And have a happy fucking Thanksgiving. Get fat. Eat all the foods you want. Hit the gym afterwards. But have a happy fucking Thanksgiving. Thank you again to Mr. Matthew Priest for being on the show with us. Make sure you check out Ramblings of a Grappleman everywhere you get your fucking podcasts. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and don't miss anything that we've got coming to you on YouTube. Tomorrow we're going to be dropping the unboxing of the Rey Mysterio Roots of Fight video, uh, Roots of Fight jacket and all that good shit. And like I said, our full review of the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. card with our buddy AB Boxing. And until next time and in between time, peace.